Hi everyone, I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth, and this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Elisa Vitti, founder of Flow Living, an integrative nutritionist, top women's hormone expert, and best-selling author of Women Code and In the Flow. She is the creator of the Cycle Syncing Method, where she teaches women how to use their biological rhythms to optimize their health and create extraordinary lives. A graduate of Johns Hopkins University and the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, Elisa has been featured on The Dr. Oz Show and is a regular contributor to Women's Health, My Body Green, The Huffington Post, and Yahoo Health's Hormone Whisper column. If you are dealing with period problems, the inability to lose weight, fatigue, mood swings, acne, the root cause is likely hormonal imbalance. In this episode, Elisa breaks down everything you need to know about hormones, what they are, why they are imbalanced, and how to biohack your hormones to heal your body and make you feel your best. We talk about everything from your infradium rhythm and how that affects everything you do as a woman, to intermittent fasting, the right foods to be eating for your metabolism, birth control, and more. Elisa is such an incredible resource of knowledge. I absolutely love this episode. If you are dealing with any hormonal issues, this is an absolute must listen. Enjoy. I'm so excited to share with you our newest product line, Purely Elizabeth Superfood Cereal with Vitamin D. We just launched two insanely delicious varieties exclusive at Whole Foods Market, Vanilla Blueberry Almond and Honey Peanut Butter. Our new cereals are unlike anything in the market. Each box is full of the good stuff, deliciously crispy oat and ancient grain flakes and crunchy superfood clusters with organic oats, quinoa, and chia, intentionally crafted with whole food ingredients to deliver both taste and nutrition. Our cereals are made with organic, plant-based vitamin D3 to provide an excellent source of vitamin D in every serving. They're sweetened with sustainably sourced coconut sugar and provide five grams of protein and an excellent source of fiber in every serving to start your day off right. Plus, they're certified gluten-free and non-GMO project verified. Trust me, this is going to be your new favorite breakfast or late night snack that tastes absolutely delicious in milk and actually stays crunchy. The mix of flavors and textures leave you feeling satisfied and full. So head on over to your local Whole Foods Market and stock up on our new superfood cereals. You'll thank me later. Enjoy! Elisa, welcome to the podcast. It is so nice to finally meet you as we were just chatting. I have a million things I want to pick your brain on, but you are the expert in hormones and welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's so great to be here and thank you for having me. Wonderful. Well, always start the podcast with your own health journey. So I'd love to start with, no, you certainly went through a lot that got you to where you are today and into functional nutrition and women's hormone health. So let's start with that journey. It started really with puberty a long time ago, and I really wasn't developing at the same rate as, a, as my peer group. And I could see that even at a young age that something was off. But, you know, you couldn't go to the gynecologist for a certain period of time until you were 16 or something. And, and I didn't even get my first period until three months before I turned 16. So I knew something was up, but Finally, I got my period, finally could go to the gynecologist. And, and then I was just told that it was probably nothing. 
my concerns, which then progressively continued to get worse. So my late start to my first bleed being very, very late. And then between that and 22, I only had maybe five total periods, a couple of which were chemically induced with synthetic progesterone. And the whole way through, you know, very diligently following up with medical care and being told it was nothing. And that if I was concerned about it, that they could put me on the pill to regulate my period, which I resisted sort of intuitively. Things got very, very bad once I was a student at Hopkins where I was planning to become an OBGYN. I was always fascinated by women's health and biology. And I thought that was going to be the way that I could help until I was that person who had a hormone problem. And then I got my eyes open to the situation, (laughs) which changed my life and my, certainly my career. But by the time we were in this moment of things, my weight had skyrocketed. You know, I was over 200 pounds. My acne had gone from, let's say, very, very bad teenage acne to full-blown cystic acne, face, chest, and back. I couldn't, you couldn't put enough makeup on it to cover it. It just was painful and miserable. Insomnia, anxiety, depression, brain fog, no periods, no nothing. And just the inability to function normally in my day-to-day life. So to be told continuously that it was nothing was just ludicrous at that point. But that's what was precisely what was happening. What does an acneic obese girl do on a Friday and Saturday night? She goes to the library to try to figure out what's wrong with herself. (laughs) And luckily I was in one of the best universities on the planet for these types of things. And so I did find in an obstetrics journal, a little reference to sign level ball disease, which was the original name given to PCOS. You know, this being over 20 years ago, the phrase PCOS was not as commonplace as it is today. So as I was reading this bit of research, it just became very clear to me that I had all the classic symptoms for this. And I was very excited because I thought, great, this is what I have. I can do so. I can work with this. I can, knowing is at least a departure point, right? That not knowing I was just sort of like stuck in this holding pattern. So I went to my gynecologist the next day, famously without an appointment and begged her to take some, te- do some testing, you know, and she, I don't know if she was like afraid or just tickled that I was so eager. And she was like, sure, let's, let's do it. And then when I came back for the results, she sat me down and it was this very, you know, I'll never forget this moment. She, she gave me this whole prognosis of you do have PCOS. You were right. Sorry. It took us seven years to diagnose it, even though you diagnosed it. <laughs> And she said, you know, there isn't much we can do. It's going to get progressively worse. We can medicate you along the way. You will likely develop diabetes and there's a greater risk for heart disease and cancer and then infertility and the obesity is not going to go anywhere, but we'll, we'll give you as many medications as we can to maybe make the symptoms a little less intense. And I just had this really profound moment. I was hearing what she was saying, but I was also hearing more loudly my body saying, that's not your future. As clear as like me saying it to you. So I just opened my mouth and repeated that because she's like, what do you want me to do? (laughs) Do you want me to write you this prescription for the pill? And I just said, that's not my future. And she, that stopped her short because I don't think it's a strange thing to say, right? (laughs) And she said, what? And I said, yeah. And then I started just using my rational brain. I said, 
you know, doctor friend of mine, tell me how is it logical that I would agree to a treatment plan taking medication that isn't going to make a significant improvement, make me better or cure me? She said, yeah, I know, but this is all I have. And I said, well, that's not what I want. It's not good enough. There's got to be a better way. Let me use my expensively trained mind to figure this out. And she said, okay, ha ha ha. And, you know, come back when you're ready for the pill. <laughs> you'll be back. Uh, you know, she's like, yeah, you'll be back. And I, I went out and I spent, uh, I would say the better part of two years really researching what and, and apprenticing myself with all sorts of practitioners, trying all sorts of things. One naturopath was convinced I had just candida. This is back in the day when candida was like the, the reason okay. for everything. And then he had me on some sort of like orange, no, carrot breakfast routine, which actually turned my skin orange. I, I, did, I did it all and nothing got better. And it was really then that I figured out the sort of key to unlocking the way the endocrine system can respond most effectively. And that became the basis of the flow protocol and, and books. And, and it was remarkable to watch my body transform pretty effortlessly because I had been making so much effort. You know, that was the other thing when Diane always talks about how, you know, nature is very elegant, right. And, and, and direct and um, doing all these other things and the juices and the acupressure and all these things are wonderful, but it was a lot of effort. And when it really comes down to it, the key to unlocking your best hormonal performance is to work with your system, your unique female biology. And it's very straightforward. It's not that complicated. And then the body does the job. The endocrine system does the job of balancing out your hormones and relieving you of symptoms. So I watched my skin clear up which I love talking about because look at my skin. <laughs> amazing skin. I, I, I'm like, yes, now I do. <laughs> and, you know, my, I lost 50 pounds without doing any sort of extreme dieting. And my anxiety and depression, brain fog and insomnia gone. But most importantly for my short-term and long-term health, I was able to restore ovulation and menstruation. And that was, really game-changing because I was told that that was not possible. And I was very excited because I had promised myself in that moment, not only am I going to figure this out for myself, but if I can, because I realized also in that moment, I was one of millions of women, not just suffering with PCOS, but fibroids, endometriosis, anything where the conventional model, there's sort of this gap sure. in, in the care. I said, if I can figure this out, I'd like to build something a care, a hormone care platform for women, because I, I could have certainly used that. So that's, that's what I've, what I've done. That's what I've been up oh, to. That's such an amazing story. I think it's also, it's funny. I just had Danica Patrick on the podcast. Yeah. So two things. One, she was talking about you and how amazing you were, but also, you know, one of her big lessons was like listening, not taking answers, not settling for answers and really right. like listening to your intuition to find, to figure out what is wrong with you. And so I love that this story for you led to where you are today and just such a good call out for women who are suffering and men who are suffering from so many things that we sometimes think is normal and we don't 
always listen to that intuition to question and go and, and seek the answers. I do think it's so important to recognize that you're in the best position to be at the helm of your healthcare journey and that the people that you bring on board, whether that's your doctor or other providers, they work for you. And if you're not happy with their performance, you can find a replacement, yeah. you know, and you have to be, you have to identify what are your values, what works for you, what's right for you, and then build your team around your values. It's just good, just good business in general, whether you're, you're an entrepreneur or whether you're managing your health, right. it, it, <laughs> it's really about you have to, you have to run the show. Absolutely. So what year was this that you then started your practice? How long has it been? Well, gosh, I think that was in 2002, 2002, 2003, been a while. And so then I was, uh, you know, just having a practice in the city in Manhattan for about a decade. And the word of mouth was just sort of expanding. And I was getting requests from women in different countries and time zones. And it became clear to me that I could not serve everybody this way. And I, I started asking myself a question around, you know, around 2010, I said, how could I use technology to serve women everywhere? And that's what led to a shift in kind of the idea around, let me get out of sort of this one-to-one -one kind of model and move into something that's more femtech. And that's when we launched Flow Living, which was in 2012. So we're actually celebrating our 10-year anniversary this year, which is congratulations! Amazing. Yeah, I'm proud as a female business owner in general, but then also in this, and I put it in big air quotes, niche, because when people say, oh, hormones is niche, I say, well, 51% of the population has this to deal with. So I don't know if it's niche. <laughs> it's, really, it's really more- It's not talked about. It's just not talked about. And, and you know, I think- Aside from building a successful company, helping women with their hormones, the other thing that I'm really very proud of is just being able to move the cultural narrative forward in the ways that I have, which I didn't even recognize as the first at the time. I went on Dr. Oz and simulated menstrual blood on national television. I guess I'm the first human being who ever did that. That's really great. <laughs> but we needed to have a conversation to say, you know, hey, your bleed every month is showing it's a very powerful biomarker, right? People are buying devices and wearables and things so they can get access to their bio data. Well, your monthly bleed is it's happening. It's free. You don't have to buy anything. You can just look at it, right? And it's telling you the, the sort of balance between estrogen and progesterone, which really gives you a very good high level insight as to how your cycle is performing overall, which is now, according to the College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists, the fifth vital sign, right? As important as your blood pressure, your temperature, right? Your cycle is super, super key to understanding your health overall. So we should be looking at it every month. And I was happy to initiate us into that conversation and have done a lot of firsts since then. But, you know, I think through the books primarily, really helping to reach women to help them understand how their body works, to get them excited about being in a relationship with their hormones. That's proactive and positive, as opposed to what we've been, let's say, conditioned to think, which is like, oh, the hormones are bad. <laughs> I don't want to have anything to do with them, right? And, and then most importantly, helping women actually feel better. 
I, I love those stories of I'm not in pain anymore or I, I, my period came and I, I was totally surprised. I, you know, because I usually, a lot of women have a lot of run up to it being very miserable. And it's great when, when they can reclaim the health that they're designed biologically to, to have. You know, you're supposed to feel good every day. Absolutely. So let's start maybe foundationally and talk about like what hormones are. Cause I think, as you were saying, all we think many people think in their head, just like hormones are bad and we don't really even know what that means. So maybe just foundationally, like what are hormones and what are some of the top things that set us off into an imbalance in hormones, some of those underlining issues or so outside? Hormones, yeah, it's a big conversation. But what I can say is first and foremost, we have to understand that hormones are a chemical language that the endocrine system uses to talk to itself amongst the glands and organs that are contained, right? So the pituitary gland, the thyroid gland, the adrenal gland, the ovaries, they have to communicate with each other because they work in harmony with themselves, amongst themselves. And hormones are the language by which they speak to each other. And so what does that mean? Another way to think about it is for you to keep homeostasis, which is what the body wants to do to keep you at sort of this nice, even keel level of, of all things. It's always scanning your body for levels of hormones. So if you have, let's say a lot of cortisol in the bloodstream, the brain and the adrenals are gonna talk to each other via its hormonal pathway. And it's going to not ask the adrenal glands to make more cortisol because you've got enough or too much. Same thing with thyroid hormone, right? If you have a lot of thyroid hormone, you're not going to be, the body's not going to continuously make more. It's going to be responsive. It's, it's always checking and balancing itself. So that's great if it's left to its own devices, of course, but the problem is we're interfering with it, right? And I'll, I'll also outline what some of these hormones are in a second, but we tend to sort of gum up the works without realizing it, right? So the most important thing that the endocrine system wants to do is make sure that your brain, your heart, and your muscle tissue have enough sugar to work, right? Because you can imagine if that wasn't being super highly managed at all times, you'd fall down, you know, it wouldn't be good. Not a cute look. So if we do anything to disrupt the hormone of insulin, right? Because we are skipping meals or we're overindulging in meals or where there's a number of ways in which you can disrupt your blood sugar and therefore have insulin be all over the place. We're stressed. We're stressed. The endocrine system gets sort of in action and starts to compensate for this, right? And that can happen with asking your body to store more fat, to take some of the sugar load off so that insulin doesn't have to go crazy. There's many compensation pathways, but the more you ask your body to do this compensating because you're not taking care of your side of the street, right? By managing your diet properly, then it starts to pull focus away from your reproductive function, which is, I, I like to imagine things like a cupcake with frosting. So your sex drive is the frosting, your or your sex drive is the cherry on top, your period, your cycle is the frosting and the rest of your hormones are the cake, right? So every day your body's gonna bake that cake, but if you don't give it the right ingredients, the cake's not gonna come out right. 
and it won't have any leftover to frost or put the cherry on, right? And so that's what ends up happening. We start to see like, oh, you know, you might get away with this sort of insulin stress situation for a period of time and think to yourself, gee, yeah, I know I'm not eating right. And yeah, I know stress is, I'm not managing my stress, but I'm, I'm okay. And then a couple months later, your period is really miserable. You're having more intense PMS or you're skipping a cycle. And you think, whatever, my period, who cares? Or it's supposed to be weird or problematic. So I'm ignoring that. And then it spirals into maybe a diagnosed condition. All of a sudden you have a fibroid or when you want to get pregnant, now you can't, or you're going through perimenopause too quickly and you're 47 and you're like entering menopause and you should be much having that a little bit longer. So it's really this whole interconnected situation where what we're doing dietarily to interfere with our endocrine performance has this direct impact on how our cycle is even going to have a chance to be optimal. And then everything else after that, fertility, libido, et cetera. It's so fascinating how everything works together. And I think like the diet part, you know, you can more clearly see that, but I think looking at stress and how that affects it, where to your point, you can easily be like, okay, I'm all right, I, I got this. When you see it, I have been wearing a levels. And so I've been tracking, you know, when I have stressful conversations, what happens. And to me, this is the most real thing where I, I think so many people don't believe that stress is, has a true effect on the body. But then when you truly see that your levels are increasing, it's like, here's the tangible way that it's affecting your body and your health. Oh, yeah. I mean, and we have so many, it's not easy for ovaries out there anymore, you know, <clears throat> between circadian rhythm disruption, just general lifestyle stressors, environmental toxins that are endocrine disruptive that mess with your estrogen and all of the other things. And now we have this added layer of blue light exposure. Major study, we haven't even had a chance to, to publish our position on this yet, but this just came out literally this week. A global consortium of researchers were looking at what happened during the pandemic to teen girls that pretty much globally, the numbers of early onset puberty were very, very high and across the board, numbers we have never seen before. And early onset puberty is really potentially problematic because the earlier you're exposed to those hormones, the more at risk for cancer you become. And it's not an ideal situation. And it, it's been a trending, an upwardly trending problem, but it sort of reached this new level of crisis over the pandemic. And they wanted to know why. And they looked at all the factors, people being sedentary or eating more food and calories or and actually, it came down to the fact that it was just due to this blue light exposure. Because the blue light is disrupting melatonin. Melatonin has a direct re relationship with ovulation. And so it, it, and adding stress and inflammation to the body. And so these poor young children, you know, are being, having internal stress that's triggering their early onset puberty. Wow which is pretty scary. So yeah, it's not easy for women to have healthy hormones these days. We have to be proactive. If you are of the mindset that these things should just happen naturally, like you should just have a, your period should be just fine on its own without any management from you. And you should be able to get pregnant without any, doing anything major or just age without inter, any 
that is an that is a no longer it's not a workable sort of mindset because of the quantity of of things working against our endocrine system, whether it be the toxins or the blue light or the chemicals in the food or lifestyle. It's in addition to so that. So there's that. So there's sort of like the status quo. And then I, but still, I kept asking myself, what are we, what are we missing? You know, because in addition to all of this that is happening, I also, you know, I'm a, I'm an optimist and I was looking around thinking, gee, but it's still historic that we have every website talking about periods and we're, we're really mainstreaming this conversation. So it's, it should have a positive impact with our more understanding should come better health. Right. But the numbers just weren't trending any differently. And so I started really, it started keeping me up at night after I published woman code, which sort of goes through the, the flow protocol of how do you triage your endocrine system when when you have a diagnosis, if you have PCOS or fibroids or endometriosis, how do you get everything that's been going off the rails? How do you get it back on track? And how do you work with the endocrine system with food to, to achieve homeostasis again so that your hormones can do what they're supposed to do? I I still was unsettled by the difference in the sort of demographics, right? Like 80% of women will have a hormone problem. Oh, staggering. And when we look at the male cohort, it's under 20%. So what are we, I just, I was like, what are we missing? What are we not looking right. at? What's the distinction between men and women? They're exposed to the same environmental toxins and blue light and endocrine disruptors and blah, blah, blah. Why are they not having the same uptick in hormone problems? And that's what led me to write my second book, In the Flow, because I kept digging and digging and digging. And I found that we have a second biological rhythm called the infradian rhythm. So we all know about the circadian rhythm. I'm pretty sure not many of us have heard about the infradian rhythm. And it is so critical. It's only active between puberty, between your first and last bleed. So you've got it for about four decades. And it controls major systems of your body, just like the circadian rhythm governs the timing of when you have a bowel movement, when you wake up, when your blood pressure is the most elevated, when it's the le- it governs the timing of many, many things in the body. The infradian rhythm affects your brain, your metabolism, your stress response, your immune system. Yes, you experience it over the course of your 28-day cycle, but it's affecting all of these systems in a very profound way. And that's when the light bulb went off. I said, oh, I get it. The reason why men are doing better is because their lifestyle matches their biology. Their self-care routines match their 24-hour circadian rhythm biological hormonal patterns. And ours don't because we're just using theirs, right? For example, if I were to ask anybody who's listening, what do you think the best diet is? How many calories per day? And anybody answered the question, well, I think, you know, 1400 calories per day, that's great. Or 1600, that's great. Or even if you just answered it all, well, it depends on how much weight lifting you're doing or what your, what your needs are. You'd still be getting it wrong. Because that answer, that belief that there's just one ideal caloric value for a person based on, let's say, what weight strength training routine they're doing or what, whatever their BMI is, that's predicated on male research that is, in fact, 
rinse and repeat every 24 hours. They do need the same caloric levels every day, but your metabolism changes across your cycle. So even just answering the question, oh, I think it's this or that is wrong because fundamentally there is no one answer. If you have female hormones, there are a couple of answers, right? It means you have to change your caloric intake depending on which phase of the cycle you're in. That's the only correct answer, but none of us know that. So we think, okay, I'm going to be good, quote unquote, and I'm going to try to eat the same calories every day. And depending on when you start this being good decision, if you're in the first half of your cycle, when your metabolism is slightly lower, for example, according to this infradian effect, you'll be able to stick with that. And then Sometime after ovulation, a few days later, when you've entered the luteal phase, your metabolism ramps up. You need studies show you need almost 300 more calories per day. And if you don't eat them because you're trying to be good, guess what happens? Major snackage and binging, right? All of a sudden you wake up out of a fog after eating like an entire sleeve of cookies. And you're like, what? What happened? Where am I? Am I back? <laughs> and it's because ghrelin has taken over this powerful neurotransmitter that says, we don't have enough sugar to keep blood sugar stable for the brain, the heart, and the muscle tissue because your metabolism is fed up and you're restricting calories. Why? We don't know. It doesn't match our biology. Send out the ghrelin, make this person eat now. And the most junky stuff, because that's what's going to jack up your blood sugar as quick as possible, right? And of course, this happens during your PMS phase when then you feel terrible and bloated and it's a whole unnecessary situation. Because if you were to start matching your self-care plans, your diet, your exercise with what's actually happening based on this infradian rhythm, all of a sudden, PMS goes away, your weight is stabilized, your moods are stable, your energy is high, you feel the way you're designed to feel. But we've been using the sort of diet and fitness plans that have been researched on men that have left women out of that research. We've just been taking them as crumbs and trying to apply it in our hormonal ecosystem. And it's been totally disrupting our health and our lives. And we've internalized that as being something wrong with us. Oh, what's wrong with me? I don't have willpower. I, I, I can't lose this weight or whatever it is you're trying to achieve. And it, it has nothing to do with any of that. It's just that you're using the wrong research, the wrong plan that was designed to optimize male hormones, not going to optimize your hormones. And when you start to leverage that, everything changes. And so that's when I created the cycle syncing method. And um, we now have 5 million women hashtag cycle syncing on TikTok and Instagram. It's like a whole movement. We're all taking back our sanity and our health and our lives. And, and it's exciting to see more journalists being a lot more transparent about, okay, this research with exciting claims about, let's say, HIT for intermittent fasting, the, the research participants were male. And so for women, you know, we shouldn't necessarily just assume that this is going to work for us. And, and we need a lot more of that to kind of, and we need a lot more research done to include women, mind you, but we'll get there. <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's, and that's all in the book, In the Flow. It's just really powerful to understand that you as a woman have a unique hormonal pattern that needs a unique set of care and not something that's the same every day. God, it must have been such an incredible breakthrough for you when you figured this out. It was like, here's the aha. It it was exciting. I'm 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 proud to have written the first and only book on this subject. <laughs> um, you know, to have to have it out in the world now. And I think 
that's why I think the books are just, they resonate so much with women because I come at this like the women who are reading my books in the sense that I want to be optimizing my health. I want to, but I want to feel your best. I want to feel my best because I have had hormonal issues and I'm, I'm very well aware that if I didn't continue to take care of myself, my hormones, the way that they needed to, that I should expect hormonal problems to come back. But also I want to biohack and do all that cool stuff, but I want to do it in a way that matches my unique female hormones and not just do what all the dudes are doing. (laughs) Well, let's dive into some of the details on cycle syncing. And as you just said earlier on intermittent fasting and talking about biohacking, I know we shouldn't believe one size fits all on intermittent fasting. So I would love for you to share your thoughts on that for women. Listen, the research is super clear. So it's not even my opinion. If you are male or postmenopausal, you should do intermittent fasting. All those wonderful, magical benefits will happen for you. Once I'm postmenopausal, you will see me talking about intermittent fasting and how I love it. <laughs> but if you're in your reproductive years while you're still cycling, you should not do it because it gives really the opposite result is what some of the research shows that it can shrink your ovaries, it can disrupt your thyroid, it can make your cognitive performance worse, more brain fog, it, it, it disrupt your blood. It, it's not going to give you the results that you're hoping for. And so you're going to be essentially having this major calorie restriction slash starvation, especially in the second half of your cycle. And it's going to exacerbate your symptoms. Specifically what it what happens, let's say if you're doing this in the luteal phase when you need more calories, right? If you're not eating and we don't have enough glucose, right? Then cortisol gets recruited because it's got to talk to your fat cells to convert that stored fat back into usable glucose. Now cortisol is rising in the body. That's a form of internal stress. And now you need to do more of that because you're not eating for a long time. You need to make more and more cortisol to talk to your fat cells, right? Where how, how do you make cortisol, right? You make that from certain micronutrients. All hormones are synthesized from micronutrients, amino acids, and stabilized in fat molecules, right? So if you're not eating, now we're going to go and dip into your micronutrient stores. Oh, but maybe you've been on the pill for a bunch of years. You are already depleted and your gut's all disrupted. I mean, so now <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Now it's like, it's really a, a very quick, slippery yeah. slope. And it has to start sort of, there's an expression like stealing from one to pay for another. I don't know what the expression is, but- Rob Peter to pay Paul. That's it. And so <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the child of immigrant parents, so I don't get any of the exact, <laughs> I know they're there, but I don't have them Horrible all. Horrible them too. Like that. And so now since we're trying to shore up adrenal output of cortisol, we have to take all of these other micronutrients and guess where we're going to see some immediate depletion because of the sort of proximity of the the molecular structure, we're going to start to have depletion with progesterone to help you deal with this prolonged calorie restriction. And you need progesterone in the second half of your cycle. That is what the second half of the cycle is all about. It is about progesterone, right? To hold the lining of the uterus in place, if you were to have an embryo to help it implant, to grow, to, to do all of that. It's a, it's a progesterone heavy time. In fact, you should have something like a hundred times more progesterone than estrogen in the luteal phase. So now we're stealing, we're having progesterone insufficiency. The actual hormonal cause of PMS, 
right, that we all joke about thinking that it's normal is simply too much estrogen and insufficient amount of progesterone. When you have that in the luteal phase, you have every stereotypical symptom of PMS. So your intermittent fasting is now potentially causing you to have PMS. And if you already have it because of all the other deficiencies you're coming into this, trying this diet on, right, situation could make it much, much worse. And then it can get worse than just PMS. It can actually shut down ovulation for your next month, right? It it can really disrupt your cycle. And that's not just with intermittent fasting. I've seen this on the boards, on Facebook groups of women who've tried keto and paleo. It's just all of these diets were studied on men. Women have been left out of this research, cycling women in their reproductive years because of all the scary things that happened at one point with drug trials on women in their reproductive years who didn't know they were pregnant. And so obviously that we don't want to do drug trials on women in their reproductive years, but nutritional research, we can do, I think we can do a better job of being inclusive. So the problem is the studies are being done. We're not being included. And then the massive media comes out. Intermittent, I mean, I think 2019 and 2020, you could not open up a wellness media outlet without having three articles a day on intermittent fasting and HIIT workouts being for the gold standard. Um, And that's another one. You can't do HIIT workouts every day of your cycle. It's contraindicated. It's contraindicated in the luteal phase, actually, right? Because what's going to do is turn on fat storage and turn on muscle wasting. So here you are. I mean, you know, and I, I, if you're feeling a little like angry right now, I, I'm okay with that because it's, it's really upsetting to know that you've been trying so hard, get results and applying what you're, the information you're being told, but that information has been totally ignoring your gender in its, let's say discovery, right? Yeah. The research on HIIT workouts, the research on intermittent fasting, the research on caloric level, it's ignoring your, it's ignoring you. It, it left you out, but it's saying, here, use this anyway. Hopefully it'll work for you too. It's, ins- it's, it's insane. You know, and it's, so a little, it's a little maddening. Yeah. And so like, if you're somebody like me who was struggling with weight, oh my goodness. I remember just being like, okay, well, every day, before I figured this all out, I was like, okay, every day I have to do like 20 minutes on the stair, the elliptical or 20 minutes of cardio. I mean, every day. And it would be so infuriating to my, to watch. Like I feel, I would feel like I would make progress a couple of weeks. And then at the end of the month, I would net out no weight loss. And, and this is, this was not because I was doing anything wrong, let's say, according to the conventional wisdom, but it was because I was ignoring my infradian rhythm and, and disrupting it, you know, and we're doing that every day, which I think is why so many women have hormone issues unnecessarily, because if you just start to simply understand what the infradian rhythm is, you can't unsee it once you see it. And then you just start using the cycle syncing method and everything just falls into place. And you're, you can, you become almost shocked by how quickly your body starts to do what it's supposed to do, because, you know, you've been fed a narrative that, your body is very problematic, complicated, mysterious, mostly impossible to change. Hormones are ruining your life. And it's so the opposite. It's so the opposite, extremely. Certainly all the details of how every part of the cycle are in the book. But if you had just give an overview as you kind of touch on some of the foods of what are the best sure. framework of food in each of the cycles? Yes. 
So yes, in the flow cover, there's like a chart for the food. You need to get the book. You got to get the book in the flow. Uh, There's a chart for the food in chapter four. There's a workout chart in chapter five. There's time management in chapter six. It's it's very comprehensive. So you don't have to try to figure this out on your own. And of course you can download the MyFlow app, which does has all this cycle syncing, you know, fully loaded for you in there and will match with your actual cycle in real time, which is so cool. But at the high, highest level, the cycle syncing method is built on three pillars. We want to match your food, your fitness, and your lifestyle to sync up with each of the four phases of your cycle. There's the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, the luteal phase, and the bleeding phase. In the first phase, the follicular phase, we like to recommend when you need less calories that you eat lighter foods, more focus on fermented foods, restore gut balance from let's say the heavier eating you're going to do in the second half of the cycle. Um, You can go with fewer calories. You can do things like quinoa and salads and sauerkraut and whatever, whatever is in the chart. In the ovulatory phase, this is when, this is a very key time where estrogen is peaking. Um, It's the highest surge of estrogen in the shortest amount of time that you'll have the entire cycle. And we need to help out the body, specifically the liver and the gut, break down this estrogen and get it out through the bowels. And we need to feed the liver lots of building blocks to do its part, its work of detoxification. So you're going to be eating more raw foods, lots of cruciferous things in its raw form, lots of raw veggies and fruits with high glutathione content, selenium, vitamin C, and lots of fiber to get everything out through the bowels as quickly as possible. Then we get to the luteal phase, calorie requirements go up and blood sugar is less stable. So we use food a little differently here. Certainly you're going to be eating more calories, but you need to be eating more calorie dense foods and you need to be eating foods that are slow burning, whole grains, cooked leafy green vegetables that are a little easier to digest. And I'll talk about why in a second, Uh, lots of good fats, you know, and just more frequent meals throughout the day to keep that blood sugar as stable as possible. If you do that and you eat the right amount of calories, you will have zero PMS and it will shock you actually that you could have no PMS. But I'm inviting you to have that shock of a life because you deserve it. (laughs) And then when we get to the bleeding phase and I'll I'll back up into the the, um, why the cooked vegetables in a minute, in the luteal phase, in the bleeding phase, Every woman's slightly different. Some women still feel that they need that more calories. Other women feel like they need to sort of lighten up. But either way, you need to eat very nutrient-dense foods, mineral-rich foods to help with. It's not so much the blood loss because it's not like you're losing a lot of blood, but it's really about just helping the body replenish because what you've done in the luteal phase is you've 3D printed an organ just to make it real clear for you. And I don't think anybody's framed it for you that way before, right? No. You, from your own micronutrient reserves in your body, in your tissues, in your organs, you make an organ every month, the endometrium. And it's an extremely intelligent, sensitive organ. It has its own immune system. It is remarkable. And if it's not needed, you then shed it and that's what the bleed is. So it isn't because you're losing blood that we say you need to eat, let's say more animal proteins and other things. It's because you have to replenish and try to top up those micronutrients that went into making that endometrium, right? So that you can sort of not move into the next follicular phase at a micronutrient deficit. So we do a lot of mineral rich foods, sea vegetables, uh, broths, animal proteins, things that are going to help 
boost up those micronutrient levels in a very quick way because we're talking about four or five days. Why all this whole grains and cooked veg in the luteal phase? Well, progesterone has one interesting side effect, which is it slows down transit time in the gut. So for those of you who feel like you poop your brains out when your period starts, it's actually a real thing. If you have adequate levels of progesterone, you're going to have a little slower transit time for bowel movements to leave the intestines. Uh, and then you feel like you have a, let's say, a bigger release the first day or two of your bleed. But you don't have to have that extreme, let's say, drop off <laughs> in, the, in the menstrual phase if you use fiber strategically in the luteal phase, which you will get if you start eating the way that you are supposed to, according to the cycle sync method. So you can keep that transit time really nice and steady through the luteal phase and not feel like you're bloated and you have to go to the bathroom, but you can't. And then you have this whole poop show the day your period starts, so to speak. So that's the food piece. And then the workout piece is similar. It follows the same changing pattern, right? Because your hormones are dynamic. You need a dynamic plan. That's what the cycle syncing method is all about. It's changing with your hormones in real time. So in the first half of the cycle, you can do cardio and HIIT workouts till you, you know, can't stand up anymore. Then as soon as you're in the luteal phase, you got to abandon all that stuff and really focus on strength training. Lots of heavy strength training, lifting heavy weights, you know, you can do some light cardio, you can walk on the treadmill, you can do that, but you, you know, you don't want to go and do like a spin class per se. And the menstrual phase, it's up to you. If you're recovering from painful periods, rest is appropriate. Sitting with a hot water bottle and resting is appropriate. That's where you need to start. As you get better and you have no pain in your cycle, you can do moderate exercise, Pilates, whatever you feel good about walking, whatever you want to do is fine. But honoring the fact that this feels like a more inwardly focused time is something that we should allow ourselves to of course and this by the way I on the exercise front I always get a question of well doesn't that put us back several years or decades if we talk about maybe not working out during our bleed and I'm not saying that you don't work out during your bleed what I am saying is you should be free in your mind regardless of the dogma or the narrative to allow yourself to intuitively use movement that feels right for you in real time, as opposed to feeling, as opposed to feeling pressure to prove that you can do anything at any time, which you can do. You can do anything at any time. The question is, do you enjoy it? Is it optimal for your hormones? And is it going to give you a good result? And that's where I'd rather you, you know, spend your energy is really connecting to figuring that out for yourself. Because once you start cycle thinking and using the framework, it's almost, oh yeah, I, I know, I know I should be doing this at this yeah. time. I, I wanted to do this, but I thought I was supposed to always eat the same calories every day, or I thought I was supposed to do the same workouts every day. And I've been forcing myself and pushing myself and ignoring my intuitive inner guidance system, which you will no longer have to do. You're very welcome. When you start cycle thinking, because it's, it really is about the fact that we want to acknowledge that you have these distinct hormonal patterns in each of the four phases. And we definitely want to match your self-care with your hormones because that's the only way to go. Well, I love your approach and thinking about how we're changing seasons right now. It's like you're living in the flow of we change how we live season to season. That's right. And it makes so much sense to be- It's only logical. Right. <laughs> it's only logical. And quite honestly, it makes it like more fun and interesting to not be doing the same thing all month from every perspective. So 
I know we don't have a ton of time, so I want to just quickly jump to birth control and how that is affected by can we be in cycle syncing? How is that affected? And then I just have to say how I told you at the beginning how I just got off birth control since I was 16. And I went to my doctor and asked her what her perspective was. And she was like, no, it's great to be on birth control. It actually like helps your hormones. It protects against cancer, like on and on about the benefits. And I just stopped and was like, okay, I'm not even I don't even know what to say. Well, I I also asked you what what predicated your your sort of like dramatic from reading your books, I, I, and I'm I'm thrilled because so many women have had this same exact situation where they didn't know what they didn't know, and that's yeah. okay, right? Here's the just a few factoids about the the situation with the pill. It does not regulate or give you a cycle. It stops your cycle. That's precisely how it works. It shuts down ovulation and then therefore without ovulation and without, and it gives you these sort of everyday, very, very minimal doses of estrogen and progesterone. Sometimes it doesn't give you any estrogen depending on which pill you're taking. And these very low doses are not enough for you to, let's say, do anything making an endometrial lining. It just, by, by virtue of shutting off the ovulation, you no longer have a cycle. So you taking this medication takes you out completely. You're no longer reproductive. You're no longer cycling in any way. If you have any breakthrough bleeding, it's not a real period. Not a, you're, There are no more periods, it, whatever it is. And in fact, the goal is you'll hear your doctor saying like, oh, you know, over a couple of months, you'll see the bleed lighten up and maybe go away altogether. And that's just fine. Is that's it? <laughs> no, it's not. And here's why. It, ovulation is the star of the show of the cycle in terms of your short-term and long-term health benefit. Every ovulation you have puts money in your health bank account today and tomorrow, specifically around protecting your brain, your heart, and your bones. So there's that. Who doesn't want to be having strong bones when they're postmenopausal? Everybody does. Okay. Then while you're taking this medication, you're not even yourself, turns out. Dr. Sarah Hill wrote a really important book. If you're on birth control, you should read it. It's called Your Brain on Birth Control. You're not even you, technically speaking, while you're on this medication because hormones affect your brain, as I said before. In fact, in 1995, Dr. Catherine Woolley over at Northwestern University researched and figured out that women's brains were changing up to 25% throughout the cycle. So the fact that you're now shutting off your own internal hormonal production totally, taking synthetic hormones that don't actually match the lock and key on your cells, not having your brain bathed in this estrogen and progesterone in this cyclical pattern, you, you're not having access to your creativity, your ambition. There's a recent study about this. I mean, you're just not you. I, I, there's not enough time to tell you how many stories I've heard working with women over the years, getting off this medication, they change jobs, get out of relationships. Like it's like they're waking up oh. and I know, and I was joking with you. I said, my goodness, if this is the you ambition wise, while you were on this medication, we'd all need to step aside and watch out for what you're going to do next. <laughs> you're on it. Like two. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> so, and then, then on the sort of, let's say, health level, it's disrupting your gut. It's it's depleting you of a lot of micronutrients and it's just setting you up for a lot of recovery that you need to do to kind of deal with having been on this medication. 
And it's just not a good long-term solution. It's not a cure for any of these conditions. If you have a diagnosis of PCOS or fibroids or endo, it doesn't cure them. You're in a temporary sort of holding pattern. And then when you go off the medication to, let's say, have a child, if that's what you're trying to do, now you've got, let's say, X amount of years under your belt of being on this medication, which is depleting you, and you haven't had the time that you need to resolve these other issues naturally, and now you want to have a baby and you can get, become very stressed out by that scenario. So it's not a great thing. It's old technology, in my opinion, now, because now we live in the world, in the era of femtech. What I will say is some new, exciting technology if you're like, well, Elisa, that's all well and good, but I don't want to get pregnant. I hear you. Here's the new tech, okay? You get any number of biometric devices. There's Daisy that measures your basal body temperature every day, which is fantastic. There's natural cycles. There's Mira. You can now use any number of biometric devices, wearable technology that will allow you to know with precision when you're ovulating. Because, wait for it, you're only fertile. The egg is only viable for 48 hours. And sperm can only live in the body for five days. So instead of kind of throwing napalm on the situation of birth control medication for the entire month, we only need to cover you for seven days out of the whole month. You can't get pregnant after that, right? Though mm-hmm. so if you're tracking, if you're making sure you're not ovulating. So you use, you use your tracking device and then you get a prescription from your doctor for Fexi, which also founded by a female entrepreneur and I should be an ambassador. I talk about it so much. So if you're listening, Fexi people, please hit me up. I love your product. I tell everybody about it. It's a vaginal gel. It's lactic acid. You put lactic acid on your face to wash your face at night easily three times a week because you're using it in some skincare product. It's so safe and natural. It just renders sperm totally useless and it's totally side effect free for you. It's genius. It's genius. FDA approved and covered by your insurance. So now you have your biometric device. You know when you're ovulating. You put the Fexi in if you're having the sex during ovulation. You use it. And if you really want to be extra safe, you use a barrier method as well, just for those days where you need the coverage again, which is seven days. And then the rest of the month, you can just keep tracking and not worry about it right? So if it's just about preventing pregnancy, it's time to upgrade your technology. And I just gave you the cliff notes on that. If it's because you're trying to fix a condition, that's never going to be the outcome. And so again, please come to Flow Living Nap. All we do all day long is help you recover from hormone issues uh, without medication. And then if you are just thinking about it in terms of, is this allowing me to be the me that I want? Um, you know, read Dr. Sarah Hill's book and then see what you think after that. Perfect. Well, those were some great last minute pointers. Thank you. We're going to wrap up with some rapid fire Q&A. Okay, great. Other than your own must read health nutrition book, oh. but you have to read yours too. Other than my, all right, I like, you should see my bookshelf. For whatever reason, this is what's popping to mind right now. And it's the web that has no weaver. It's a classic on traditional Chinese medicine, but I loved it because it really goes deep on how interconnected body systems are. And and for me as a systems thinker, I just love that book. Three favorite products for women's health. For women's health. Well, and it could be like a food. It could be. I definitely love our app (laughs) because it helps you. There's not anything else like it in terms of 
figuring out why you're having a symptom at a particular time and what to do about it, being, being given that prescriptive guidance. And it's the only official cycle thinking app. So that's myflowtracker.com. I'm also really partial to our supplements because um, they're dosed in an evidence-backed way to actually move the needle with your symptoms. And I mean, sexy. I just feel like it's such a game changer in terms of reproductive management without any side effects. I think it's so, so special. Favorite words to live by? Oh my gosh. I'm terrible at these rapid fires. <laughs> Favorite words to live by? I don't, I don't know if I have any favorite ones, but I, I definitely think, you know, if you really want something, just keep putting one foot in front of the other and don't run your own race. Don't worry about what's going on outside of you. Just be in your own track, stay in your own lane and enjoy the journey. I feel happiest when? Oh, when I'm with my family, my daughter doing mom stuff for sure. <laughs> And lastly, what is your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? Mm. Cycle thinking. I couldn't, I could not do all that I do without aligning with my cycle. That and I'll say something slightly controversial, but we did do a whole thing on it in, in uh, February. I, I, we, we, we don't have time to unpack it today, but using your orgasm as a form of biohacking is something that women should be doing a lot more of because it gives you access to hormones like oxytocin and nitric oxide that benefit your health and prevent aging or slow down the aging process. So I think it's an unsung hero of women's health that we should be talking a lot more about. Sounds like we need an episode two. I'm happy to do that. Just on that, that, that alone would take up an hour. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we could have lots of different questions to come on and have you on for episode two, but Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. In closing, where can everybody find you? You can find, if you need help with your hormones, come to flowliving.com. If you are excited to download the app, you can go to myflowtracker.com. Remember it has the circle icon, not the feather. If you want to find me on social, you can, it's Instagram is at flowliving and at alisa.bd. And if you want to join a whole bunch of other women who are cycle thinking, you can join us at cyclethinkingmembership.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was such Thank a pleasure. You. So much fun. Mm -hmm.